Come on, come on! Man, man, it's so exciting to be here. Hey, welcome to Victory one more time. You ready for the word? Let's jump in the word. Hey, if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We are beginning a brand new series today called Welcome Home. And the idea is we are wanting to kind of rewrite the story of how we see the Father and how the Father sees us. Um, in Luke chapter 15, there's actually three parables. I think we're starting at verse, I forget which verse we're actually starting at. There we Verse 11. So Luke chapter 15, verse 11. We'll read about nine verses and then we'll go from there. So if you're there, say you're there. Get it in your Bibles, get it on your phones. Here we go. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate. And so obviously the father's estate, he was going to be able to pass it down to his kids. And the younger, father, younger son said, I want it now, which was kind of basically the way of the younger son saying, you know, I wish you were dead. Give it to me now. So he, divide, he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got, to, got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country. And there he squandered all the wealth that he had in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach. He was so hungry, so in need, that he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were using for food, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I'll set out, I'll go back to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. I want to talk to you for a moment from this idea, stuck in a story. Now, before I get into it, I wanted to say this. Uh, about, I don't know, a couple months ago, my spiritual father, who's actually here today, uh, we, we came into this room and we were, we were praying and talking through with some of our leadership about this building. And he said, my only concern with it is it's going to be too small. That's what he said. He said, you're going to outgrow it fast, right? Come on and give God praise for that. So start off by saying welcome to all of our people who are in the overflow, checking out with us. But here's what I really want to tell you before we get in the message today. We got about four weeks till Easter. Easter, our plan is to launch two services. So here's what I need you to do in the next four weeks. If you're not on a dream team, get on a dream team, all right? Get on a dream team so that we can staff our, uh, our church the way we need to staff it so that we can launch two services. Because here's what's great. We haven't even told this community we're here yet. What's going to happen when we let them know we are here? You know what I mean? All right, y'all aren't ready for that. All right, all right, all right, so do me that favor. Get on the dream team so that by Easter we can be ready for all of the prodigal children, sons and daughters that are going to be coming back. Amen? Amen. All right, don't get started too early now, okay? <laughs> Stuck in a story. Anytime that I get ready to preach, I always try bring in personal stories into the sermons for two reasons, honestly. One, because it's something that Jesus did. Uh, when he tells parables, he is coming up with illustrations to help make the point that he's trying to make. And so, you know, I always try to use it for that reason, but also because it kind of helps us connect and it helps me explain the point better. Um, but here's the problem. Anytime I tell an actual story, sometimes I don't actually tell it right. You know what I mean? Like, like I'll tell it, but it's not all the details aren't correct. Like, for example, very often, uh, I'll get done preaching, and, and we'll get done. We used to get, have to tear down 
thing. Praise God, we don't have to do that anymore. Um, there's going to be a lot of random praising today, okay? Uh, we're just going to be praise break. There we go. All right. Y'all, I'm telling you, y'all ain't ready. Um, and so, so what will happen is we'll get done and we'll get in the car and Darla's so good at affirming me and telling me how great the sermon was. And then towards the end, she'll be like, but that story you told, that, that's not how that story actually went. And, and to give you an example, if you remember a few months ago, I told this story about us buying this massive uh, car for Veda on like her fifth birthday. And I talked about how it was a Betty Boop car. And I, I took three minutes to talk about how Betty Boop needed Jesus, right? Y'all remember this? Like I went through all this. So we get in the car, she goes, babe, that's not how that story went. She said, it wasn't a Betty Boop car, it was a Hello Kitty car, <laughs> which makes so much more sense, right? Because why would you buy your child a Betty Boop car? But, but I, I told her, I said, listen, that may not be how the story went, but that's how I remember the story. You know what I mean? Like that may not be actually the story, but that's how I remember the story. And here's what I want us to understand this morning is whether we realize it or not, right now, we are all telling ourselves a story. Every one of us. Some of us are telling, your telling yourself a story about your marriage. Some of us are telling yourself a story about your kids. Some of us are telling a yourself a story about yourself and about your career and about accomplishments. Some of us are telling ourselves a story about God. Some of us are telling ourselves a story about this and about everything. Every one of us are telling ourselves a story. And the story that we tell ourselves influences the, 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 it influences the way we act, it influences the way that we feel, and it influences the, and determines which way we're going to go. One author that I read actually referred to these as self-stories. That's what she called these, self-stories. And here's what we have to understand, is that not all self-stories are equal. Here's what I mean by that. Whether or not you want to get married in the future often depend on what story you're telling yourself. If the story you're telling yourself is based off of your parents and they had a terrible marriage, then you might not want to get married. If the story you're telling yourself was based off your parents who had a great marriage, then you're probably looking forward to being married. You see what I mean? It's all about the story you're telling yourself. If, if you've had some bad experiences with young children, then the story you're telling yourself is you don't want children, right? If you've been somebody, my sister babysat kids the entire time she was growing up. And so it was just natural that she had good stories about kids. Uh, it's all about the story. Even when it comes to God, what story are you telling yourself? And here's what's interesting. As we tell ourselves these stories, we often don't even realize it. They're almost like a subliminal habit. They're happening, but we don't necessarily recognize them. We're telling ourselves these stories, but we don't necessarily see them. And the interesting thing about a self-story is the more that we tell ourselves that story, eventually it becomes our reality. So no matter what the story is, marriage is good, marriage is bad. Having kids is good, having kids is bad. Saving money is good, saving money is bad. No matter what the story is, the longer we tell ourselves that story, the more it becomes our reality. And so I want to take a moment this morning and I want to break down the story that we are telling ourselves about God. The story that we are choosing to tell ourselves will either decide if we identify things based off of past experiences, based off of feelings, or based off of truth. So let's just, for the next few minutes, let's talk about the story that you're telling yourself about. Let's go back to Luke 15 for a moment. 
I want to show you what kind of produced this thought to begin with. Uh, I thought it, it was fitting for us as we get here and start thinking about the prodigals uh, in this area and the prodigals that God wants to return to him. I thought it'd be great for us to really break down and study Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. And the first thing I saw, go ahead and put Luke 15 back up there for a minute. The, the first thing that I saw that stood out to me was this. Watch this. After he had spent everything, this is the son, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. Next week, I'm going to talk about, the title of my sermon is going to be, It Might As Well Happen. You ever had something happen, and then it seems like everything wrong is happening? You're like, it might as well happen. Like, that's what we're going to talk about next week, so come back. Uh, but it says he began to be in need, so he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when I was reading that, I couldn't help but think this. When you have a son who has a great father. If you read that story, his father was a really good father. Actually arrived at this point, the only thing the father ever gave him was what he asked for. If you read the story, that was a good, he was a good father. Why would the prodigal son choose to roll around with the pigs instead of running back to the father? Why was that his decision? Why would he rather be eating pig food than to humble himself and return back home to his father. And here's the only thing I could arrive at. The only reason he would feel that way is it must be because of the story that he's telling himself about his father. The only reason he wouldn't want to return, the only reason why he wouldn't, you imagine, I mean, the second I realized that pig food was looking delicious, that'd be my moment to move. You know what I mean? But he was hesitant. And I figured the only reason would have to be because of whatever story he's telling himself about his father. And in a similar way, in a similar way, you and I are telling ourselves a story about God. And I don't know what that story is. In a room this big, with this many different people, with different upbringings, everybody's story is probably a little different. But the story that we tell ourselves is going to build up our belief system, and that belief system is going to greatly impact the way that we act, the way that we behave, and how we respond to following Jesus. But let me tell you something about your story. You ready? If your impression of the Father makes you want to choose works over grace, then you must be telling yourself the wrong story. If whatever that story is about God would make you rather stay in a pig pen than to get up and hightail it Book it, as they used to say. Book it back to the Father. It has to be because you're telling yourself the wrong story. When I thought about that, I immediately went to the children of Israel. We talked about this a couple of months ago. The children of Israel are in slavery. They're in Egypt. And then God uses Moses to free them, right? And they're, they're free, but they're not getting the food that they want to get. They start complaining to Moses. And they actually say to him that it would be better for us to go back to where we were than to be free like we are. And here was his reason. They said, because when we were there in Egypt, we got fish and cucumbers for free. Now think about this. The only reason they were getting food is because they were enslaved. <laughs> but the story they had been telling themselves is that they were getting food freely. And so now the story they're telling themselves about God isn't quite lining up with the actual truth that they were living in Egypt, and they're confusing Food for freedom. 
It made me think how many times are we confusing things in our story that we tell ourselves about God. Confusing what we want for God's will. Confusing lust, love, right? As we tell these stories, we're, we're, we're placing things in certain places. How many times we're, we're making the wrong story there? And it's important for us to be able to get to a place where we tell the right story. Uh, I, here's what I'm learning about myself. I'm a great storyteller. My kids tell me this all the time. But we'll be driving down the street or whatever it might be, you know, and I'll start telling them different stories. Like I made up a story the other day about a, a toothbrush named Tommy. It was Tommy the toothbrush, and I think it was like Sally the soap. And we were just, you know, it was just a story. I'm just telling the story. And they were loving the story. We are having a good time. And, and I just, you know, it's just a process of creation. I'm coming up with it in my mind. I'm telling the story. But then as I think about that, watch this, I realize I'm also good at telling stories to myself about my life. I mean, I'm, I'm so good at telling myself wrong stories. For example, if somebody in the church sends me an email or a text message and says, we need to meet, or can't, they don't say it that embraceive, right? But they say, hey, can we meet? I'm immediately like, oh, these people, I did something to them. I wronged them. They hate me. They're leaving the church. Y'all do that? You know what I'm talking about? When your boss sends you an email and like, we need to meet, and you're like, oh, I'm fired. You start telling yourself this story. It's just going bad. Darlo will send me a text and just say, hey, you know, babe, I'm going to go run to this store. I'll be back in a moment. And like an hour and a half later, she's not back. And I start telling myself stories. And like now I think she's been kidnapped. You know what I mean? And like I'm going to have to Liam Neeson this thing. I'm going to have to call them and be like, you know, I know who you are. You know, I, I do not have skills. But I, I don't know how to talk like Liam. I'm sorry. He's, he's, he sounds more like from never mind, Brussels or something. I don't know. Anyway, but that's my problem is I'm so good at telling myself the wrong story. And I think for a lot of us, we're great storytellers. But our problem is we are often telling ourselves the wrong story. Yeah. I think it's actually funny that in our culture today, telling a story actually means you're bending the truth. Right? That phrase, are you telling a story? That phrase means that you're lying. You're, you're bending the truth. So in our culture, just telling a story means you're already not telling it 100% accurately. I was reading a book by Mark Batterson, and he referred to this as post-imaging. He said post-imaging means when you reimagine the past different than it actually happened, right? When, when you, something has happened, but you re-remember the past different than you've actually lived it. And I don't know about you, but I do this all the time. And in case you think you didn't do it, or you don't do it, then let's talk a little bit about the moments where you have experienced it. If you have children, then you have definitely had this moment. Remember when they come to you and they're like, but you said, remember that, right? And they go through this whole story and none of the story is accurate. Right? And your response is, I didn't say it that way. Because whatever happened, it was in the past, but they reimagined it differently than it actually happened. If you have children, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't children, that's fine. I'll tell you where you've experienced it. You've experienced it with your grandparents and your parents, right? We've all heard this story. I used to have to walk up hills both ways in the snow with no shoes on. You are a liar. How do you walk up hills both ways? At some point, you got to come down, you know what I mean? 
What? I mean, no shoes, right? They were reimagining the past. Something happened, but they reimagined it differently than it actually happened. This is what happened in Egypt. This is what happened with the children of Israel. They had a past moment, but they're remembering it different than it happened. And often when it comes to our relationship with God, something happened. Something happened that identified God, that gave a description and attributes of God, but we're remembering it different than it actually happened. So the story that we tell ourselves, watch this, it's entertaining, but it's not accurate. When we got this building, it's really interesting. Uh, I had two, two different stories within a week. When we first got this building, I was talking to this couple. And you keep in mind, when it, it was about six months of praying before we ever even signed the contract on this building. It was a long process because I was actually trying to convince God that it wasn't what we were going to do. You know, I just wanted to be so clear that I wasn't strong-arming God into this. And so we got into a, a conversation with a couple, and I shared what was going on. And immediately the wife said, that's not God's will for our church. And I thought that was interesting, because I had been praying about it for like six months, and she thought about it for like six seconds. You know what I mean? And somehow she heard God better than me. I'm not really sure how that worked. But that was her story. A few days later, I'm talking to another individual, telling him the same story. And her answer to me was, that's an answer to prayer. <laughs> two people experiencing the same thing with two different stories. You got one saying, that's not the will of God, looking at the same situation, allowing that situation to shape her story. Meanwhile, you got another person looking at the same situation and that situation shaping their story, and you got two different stories. So watch this. The point is not the situation. The point is how you allow the situation to define your story. It's your responsibility to shape your story. And if you don't grab it, if you don't control it, then what you'll do is you'll find yourself remembering it different than it actually happened. And the story is what moves you. Listen to me. It, it, your, your outward movement is led by your internal dialogue. Think about that. So as I'm studying Luke 15, I'm reminded of this story in Matthew 9, and I shot over to it. And in Matthew 9, there's a story about a woman, and she's, she, she's called the woman with the issue of blood. That, that's kind of her nickname in the Bible. We don't actually get her real name, but it's just her and her issue. And so she's introduced in Matthew 9, and I'm rereading it, and I saw something that I've probably read before, but it really stuck out to me this time. So watch this, Matthew chapter 9, verse 20 and 21. Just then... A woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. The Bible says for 12 years is an internal bleeding issue. She's tried every doctor. She's tried everything she can, and she's found no healing. And for 12 years, she, uh, she's dealt with it for 12 years. She came up behind him, and she touched the edge of his cloak. So Jesus is passing through town. The woman with the issue of blood finds him. She goes. She walks up. She touches the edge of his cloak. But here's the sentence I had never really read before. Watch this. She said to herself. She said to herself. If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. It was the story that she was telling herself that led to her healing. See what I mean? It wasn't whether or not Jesus could do the healing. It wasn't whether or not is God good. It was the story that she was telling herself. When she told herself, if I touch him, I will be healed. That's what moved her to that moment to touch him. 
because our internal dialogue will move our outward engagement. So when we tell ourselves the right story, we're influenced by the right story. Why would the son not run back to the father? Because of the story he was telling himself. Why would the woman with the issue of blood who's been bleeding for 12 years run to the father? Because of the story she was telling herself. The difference between bondage and freedom is the story we tell ourselves. The secret to freedom is correcting the story that we're telling ourselves about God. We have to make sure that we aren't letting our situation define our story. And here's what I mean by that. Her situation was bad, but to her, her father was still good. Isn't that interesting? That her situation can be a bad situation. But overall, in her story, her father is still good. This, when I thought about that, I was able to link the two. This is the difference between the woman of the issue of blood and the prodigal son. One knew their situation was bad, but did not let it define her story. The other knew his situation was bad, and yet he let it define his story. He's in a bad moment. And I'm trying to, I, I was just, you know, I'll do my best sometimes to try to walk you through what I'm thinking when I'm reading the Bible, but I'm trying to imagine the story that he must be telling himself to continue to remain in this pigsty, just walking through his mind, you know, my father hates me. There's no way my father's going to receive me, right? There's no way that my father's going to let me come back. Like he's just going through this in his mind. And he's allowed his current situation to dictate his current story. Casey Ray, she's seven, I believe. Uh, seven? Is that where's my wife? Is that right? Yeah. Um, little redhead, little fireball redhead. And, and I've told you all about her before. If you've been here for any length of time, you know all of her stories. Um, but she has a tendency, one of my friends said, she goes from zero to 100. And I mean, just quick. See, people who know her are like, testify, testify, preach preacher. She's just from zero to, I think it's the redhead for all of my redheads out there. Amen. All right. And so she just boom, straight there. So one day we're having this, this particular day and we had had a great day and she had done a lot of fun stuff and it got time to take a bath at night because we take baths every night. Okay. In case you don't have children, let me prep you for parenting. Even though you do it every night, when you go to do it the next night, they're going to act like you never do it. You know what I mean? Oh, I got to take a bath. Every night we take a bath. All right. Chill out. So we're in our house, and Darla says, Casey Ray, it's time to take a bath. And here, I'm, I'm not acting. This is what she did. She went, oh, this is the worst day ever. <laughs> Just freaked out. She was like, I hate my life. Here's what her mom said. She said, Casey Ray, you slept in. We went to the park. We went to Sonic, and we got food. We went to, I don't remember what else we did. We went to this place and played. You played outside with your friends. You had ice cream. She was listing all of these great things. You said, and now, because you got to take a bath, now all of a sudden your whole day's ruined, right? Here's what she was saying. Your story is actually really good, but you're letting one situation dictate your story, right? That's what she's saying. So it's this understanding of when we, the right story of the father. Our situation does not have the authority to define our story. The story of my father is he 
is good. Regardless of my situation. Is your situation good? Maybe not right now. But the Bible says that he who began a good work will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Right? That's the story. So my story is good. My situation may not be good. But my God is good. So no matter what I'm in, the story I tell myself dictates my movements. And if I tell myself the right story about the Father, it moves me into healing. Changing the story of our life begins by correcting our story about God. Changing any part of your life begins by correcting whatever story you're telling yourself about God. So here's my question for you. What situation have you allowed to dictate the story that you tell yourself about God? We have a tendency as humans that when something goes wrong, we use that and we start letting it write the story that we tell ourselves about God. Well, he let that happen, so he must not love me. Well, he allowed that to be, and he must And these situations, like the prodigal son, watch this, allow us to start writing stories that are not true to ourselves. And so we will stand in bondage, even though God has set us free. We will stand here, even though he's asking for us to return. Not because it's true, but because we have told ourselves time and time again a story about God who would rather rather us be perfect than to come before him and allow grace to cover us. And so until we correct the story, we'll never really be able to walk in freedom. And so that's what this entire series is about over the next few weeks, is you and I rewriting the story that we're telling ourselves about God. I don't know what your history is. I don't know what situations you've allowed to define who God is in your life. But we must take time and evaluate the stories that we are telling ourselves. And we must make sure they're accurate. We must make sure they're full of grace and mercy. We must understand that it's because of what he did and not because of what we're doing. We have to get the right story. Because when you get the right story, you start moving in the right direction. There's a particular verse in Luke 15 that I crammed all week because here was the question I kept. It says, when he came to his senses. And I kept asking myself, when did he come to his senses? If if he's in this moment with this pigsty and he's thinking about eating pig food, like what was the moment when he came to his senses? And so I'm going to just take you with me for a moment on study because I I went down different roads. And I wasn't going to use all of them, but I figured I better at least share them in case different ones minister to different people. The first story was this. When you read Luke 15 through those verses we read and up until he runs back to the Father, before he comes to his senses, he says, I, like six times. His story's all about him, his performance, what he does. Then it says he comes to his senses, and he doesn't say I anymore. He says, run to the Father. So what happened is when you got him coming to his senses, one side, it's all about God. The other side, it's all about himself. And so when that shift happened, that could be when he came to his senses. The other thought I had was this. It says he sold himself to a, a guy in a distant country that he could work for him. And I'm thinking about this. He's got this whole made-up scenario in his mind of who the father is, right? And then he goes and actually works for somebody 
who probably is the way he assumes his father is. And the more he's around him, the more it corrects what he thinks about his father. And he goes, man, I thought my father was bad, but I remember the more I'm around this guy, just how good my father is. I thought those were both really good options, but that wasn't the option that I finally came to. So let me tell you what I finally came to. Put, put Luke back up there, Luke 15. So watch this. Uh, so he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now, this is me. I'm, I'm, I'm reading this. I'm praying through this. Watch this. And I'm just reading it naturally. Here's what I said. I'm reading it out loud to myself. I said, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Watch this. And when he came to his senses, I went, he said to himself, I just said it naturally. He said to him, doesn't have that word in it, but who else would he be talking to? So as I'm studying this, I'm realizing what he's about to say, he's not saying it to you, and he's not saying it to me, and he's not saying it so that it just be recorded in the Bible to bring, you know, character to the story. He's saying it to himself. What did he say to himself? My father has many hired servants that have food to spare. And here I am starving to death. I'll set and go to my father. He was changing the story that he was telling himself about his father. It happened right in front of our eyes. He started talking to himself. Second question for you. When you talk to yourself about God, what do you say? How does God feel about you? What do you tell yourself? Is he mad at you or is he madly in love with you? Does he care about your perfection or are you covered in his grace? Because what happened to the prodigal son in Luke 15, before we can move forward, y'all, before we can get into this story, we have to understand that where the shift happened is the second he started thinking differently about his father. And when the shift happens to us, listen to me, you want your marriage to be healed? The best thing is when you start thinking right about the father. You want your kids to be right? You having a tough time with your kids right now? The freest moment for you is when you get the correct story about your father. You're trying your best to be the best Christian you can be. Listen to me. It, it, the best thing you can do is to get the right story about the father. So I'm reading up on this concept of, of telling ourselves stories. This is, I mean, this is a real, you can go find books on this. This is a real concept. I don't think any of you would disagree with me. We tell ourselves these stories. And so I start doing some study and I go, how do you change the story you tell yourself? Because that's, that's really what we're talking about here. Like, how, how do I get to a place where I can change the story that I'm telling myself? The first thing it said is it said, pick a story and shift. Pick a different story and shift. But here was the second thing it said I thought was most important. It said, whatever story you shift to, you must have evidence to back it up. Because what you're doing is you're changing a belief. So if you're gonna shift your story about how God feels about you, you've got to have evidence to support it. And that's what the Bible is. The Bible is evidence 
of how much God loves you. From Genesis 1-1 all the way to the end of Revelation. Revelation, revelation. It's a revelation of how much God loves you. The entire book is centered around who? Jesus. Who is Jesus? The literal image of God's love for you. For God so what? Love the world that he gave who? Jesus. Yes, his only son, Jesus. Jesus is the picture of how God feels about you. If you're going to write a story, start with Jesus. Whatever story you started writing about God, I don't know, maybe you went to church when you were 10 years old, maybe your parents were super religious, maybe you got up in a home, brought up in some, whatever the story is, do me a favor. Remember when you're writing something and you're trying to get it good and you'll stop and you'll tear the paper up and throw it away? The old story you have about God, let's just tear it up for a second, let's throw it away and let's pick up the pen and start writing it new. And don't start with I. Well, I think, no, no, no. Well, I can, no, no, no. Matter of fact, don't even write the letter I. Unless you're going to put it in the middle of the word. Don't write it. Start with a J. Just write Jesus. Write the right story. I'm telling you, listen to me, church. If we get that story right, every other story falls in place. Life is already hard enough. You can't be telling yourself the wrong story about the Father. Because if you do, you're going to find yourself in the middle of a pig pen. And you're desperate and you're hurting and you don't know what to do. And everything inside of you, like this invisible beacon, is going to want to draw you back to the Father. But you're going to be hesitant and you're going to stand still. Why? Because you're telling yourself the wrong story about the Father. I went back and read Luke 15 again this morning, and I, again, I skipped right over it. It starts by saying Jesus gathered the tax collectors and the sinners, and then he told these stories. I thought, isn't that interesting? Now, the religious people got mad about it. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But isn't it interesting that he went and got all of the people, this is so good, that had been told the wrong story. They had been told the incorrect story. Tax collectors were told one thing. Sinners were told that if you were born that way, you did this, you did that, you could never get it. Or you had to go through a prayer. Jesus said, come here, come here, come here. Jesus brought them just like this. I believe he packed the place out, brought them in and said, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You've been told the wrong story. And so instead of me just sitting up here and reading to you, you know, the concept of salvation through Christ, I'm going to rewrite your story. And I'm going to give you a picture of a father and a son. And he started with the prodigal for the sinners and the tax collectors. And for all the people who were overwhelmed with perfection and works, he preached grace. Now, again, we're going to get into this deeper as the weeks go. But I'll just give you a spoiler alert. As he runs to the father... The Bible says that the father is looking for him and waiting for him. And as soon as he sees him, he takes off running to him. And I talked a couple of weeks ago how he had prepared this message. Y'all remember this? He had written this entire message. It's what I call it, my I blew it message. 
and he was so ready to tell him, I'm so sorry, I did this, I did this. Father interrupted him and said, I don't care about your Blewett story. All you need to understand is that I love you and I'm going to embrace you and give you everything that you had before you ever messed up. Rewriting the story. That's the gospel. That's the church. Our purpose is to write the correct story. And the Bible is the evidence. I love that I don't have to get up here and preach a story to you that in the back of my mind, I know it's not true. I'm preaching a story to you that I know if you go read a Bible, there's going to be an overwhelming amount of evidence to support it. That Jesus loves you. And that no matter what you do, grace covers you. And that it has never been, nor will it ever be, about how good you are. It's about how great he is. Right? Stand with me just for a moment. I thought it'd be fun kind of as an exercise. I don't know that you're going to be with us every week of the series, but I hope you are. But I thought it'd be fun right now to, to begin rewriting that story. Worship team, I know it's kind of a little crowded. Y'all go ahead and come up here for a second. But do me a favor, just kind of close your eyes for a second. And let's, let's kind of erase I, whatever that story is. Do me a favor, do me a favor, just for a second. Bring your current story to the front of your mind. And like I said, there's so many different people in this room. The stories are so different. But what I want to happen is I want us to rewrite, start rewriting. So picture, picture like a blank sheet of paper. And what we're about to do is we're about to write, start writing the story of our Heavenly Father. And every week we're going to do it. But here's what I want you to do today. Just today, in your mind, Just write the word Jesus. Just receive Jesus in an amazing way. Receive grace. Receive mercy. Start writing that story, rewriting that story. No matter what you've been told, no matter how you were raised. Now listen, I know this is going to be difficult for you, but listen to me. There's evidence supporting this. It's not by works. It's by grace. That's the evidence that supports it. That Jesus loves you. That God is for you, not against you. That it's not about what you've done, but it's all about what he did. And I just thought it'd be cool. There's this song we did called Champion. You remember it. And it just kind of started what I think. It started in my mind the process of rewriting the story. And so I thought it'd be fun to just kind of kick off this mentally for us with this song. And every Sunday, now till Easter, we're going to continue to write a story about who we are in Christ. But it starts today. It's the story that shifted the woman with the issue of blood, and it's the story that shifted the prodigal. That's the story. I tried so hard to believe it. I tried. I had to keep telling myself over and son. It's the story. It's the story that you tell. 
the first words of this song say over and over and over and over that you would choose someone like me. I tried so hard to believe it, that you would choose someone like me to carry your victory, to carry your victory. You are my champion, but watch this. You are his champion. Not only is he yours, you are his. So come on, close your eyes for a moment. Let's just start letting Holy Spirit write this story in our mind. Write this story in our heart. Hallelujah, Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.